Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good to see everybody at Trinity. Uh, I'm Pastor TJ, I'm the lead guy here. Uh, Welcome to everybody online, it's good to have you with us in the house. Seeds. Seeds. We are always about planting seeds for the kingdom. When I think of Easter, I think of seeds. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about the harvest and You don't have harvest without seeds. So this Easter season, we are attempting, in faith, to connect with about 10,000 different people. Between the candy crush, between the egg hunt, the way, and our Easter services, 10,000 people. 10,000 opportunities to plant seeds of the gospel into people's lives. Do you know that God called you and I to plant seeds? Now, with that, that means there's different ways we plant seeds. Some of it's showing kindness to people, showing love, practical love to people. We plant seeds when we pray. This is why we've asked everybody to join us in prayer. If you've not started and been part of our prayer initiative, get one of the pamphlets. It's not too late. Sign up for the text. Do what you need to do. Uh, Like Jenna said earlier, sign up to do something. The egg hunt, the way, candy crush, uh, do something. Uh, also, you know, stand with us financially. We need, uh, we're about a third of the way through the budget. Pray, see what God's asked you to do. You know, we talked about every family giving $100. If you can do more than that, do more than that. We need bikes. We need stuff. We need you. Why? Because we're planting seeds. I'll tell you what, man, Kurt's story today just got my motor going. Isn't that awesome? You wonder why we do all this stuff. Isn't it great to know that when we do stuff like this, there are eternal implications with it? We're not talking about stocks coming back. We're not talking about a pretty house. We're not talking about a nice car. We're talking about people's eternal souls. That's why we do what we do. That's why we dump the tank, beloved. Get involved. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is all hands on deck. Are you with me? Oh, that stinks. Are you with me? All right, let's keep rolling now. Uh, Today we're continuing our, our series called Flourish. God did not call you to survive. He called us to flourish. He brought us not just life, abundant life. You and I were created for the best life possible, abundant life. So today as we start, I'd like to start with probably the most crucial decision that any family on the planet ever has to make. One of the most crucial, toughest, agonizing decisions that every family on the planet has to make. Where do you go out to eat for dinner? Did you call it? <laughs> Did you call it? How much wasted time, how much consternation, how many fractured relationships have happened over this simple phrase? Where, where you guys want to go eat tonight? You know, you remember, how many of you have had those encounters and, you know, and 32 minutes later you're back at home and you're ordering a pizza? Because nobody can figure it out. You're in the car. If you're the driver of the car, there's a lot of pressure. You're just like, give me a general direction so I can start getting there. We're at a stop sign. There's 13 people behind us. Give me a clue where you want to go. And what's the worst thing that can be said? I don't care. But you know what? They do care. They do. So one night we're out there, Robert and I, we we went out to dinner, having a nice just meal, quiet. When you go to a meal, you have expectations. You want to go there, enjoy the meal, talk. Everything's going to be great. But lo and behold, while we were at the restaurant, the environment was not what we expected. Now, Robin and I, we, we, we've had, we have three children. We have three children because we did not want four. 
The third was enough. And we went through the whole process with little kids of taking little kids out into public. You know, they were bunched together enough that, you know, the little kids, they exponentially affect each other. And sometimes in social settings, they can, dare I say, go bananas. Have you ever had kids do that? So we're at this restaurant, we're eating, and there's a family next to us with a bunch of young kids, and their kids are going bananas. They had one kid, particularly a little girl, and she was a screamer. No! Mine! Pushing stuff over. It was ridiculous. Now, in that setting, as parents, there's only two courses of action. You have parents that are, you know, the disciplinarians, they run a tight ship, and if your kid melts down and loses their mind in public, mom or dad takes them to the bathroom to have a discussion that usually involves pain, right? Am I, am I off the rails here? I mean, we're, we're all tracking, right? Now, there's another set of, 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 of parental um, philosophy that, that, that kind of treats their children like free-range chickens, you ever see free-range chickens? They're the chickens that can run out and do whatever they want on the field. So the parent, you're a free-range parent. Your kids can do whatever they want. So as we're sitting there trying to have a nice meal, this little girl is screaming. She's having meltdowns. She is running around the restaurant, losing her mind, getting in people's faces, getting in people's tables. And that's the point where, you know, you start to test how much Jesus is in you. You smile. Oh, what a cute little girl. She's so cute running around like a banshee from table to table screaming. So she's doing her thing, and lo and behold, the unthinkable happens. She's not listening to her parents. She's running, looking at mom and dad as they're trying to chase her, and she runs headlong into a table. She was right that height, and that table hit her right in the forehead. Boom. She goes down. She goes, and she cried, and I smiled. <laughs> Don't you judge me. You all did the same thing. And you go, oh, that poor little child. Oh, no, is she going to be okay? How bad for her. <laughs> and all of us go through the same process. We all think the same thing. Don't you, don't you put this on me. <laughs> what do we think? When that stuff happens to people like that, we say, well, you know what? She kind of, what? Kind of deserved it, running around like a banshee. You don't raise your children like free-range chickens. Hit her head, they carried her off, they brought her out, and we finished our meal in peace and quiet. Jesus was among us. It was beautiful. All of us encounter situations like this all the time. All of us come to see things in other people's lives where sometimes when things don't, don't work out the way we anticipate them to, we say this, well, they kind of got what they deserved, right? All of us are familiar with the concept. We call it different things. You know, some people call it karma, some people call it other things. But really, what it is, it's a kingdom principle. Jesus talked about this kingdom principle. It's the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. In short, what you sow, you'll reap. The seeds that you sow will eventually give you a harvest that you'll reap. What you plant you'll harvest for good or for bad. Now, all of this starts at the same place. It starts with the seed. All of it starts with the seed. 
Now, last week we talked about the soil and how it's important for us to have the right soil to be able to receive God's revelation. God's revelation is like a seed to us. And when I say revelation, I'm not talking about the end book of the Bible. I'm talking about God's revelation, which is his heart for us, our understanding. When you come to Christ, God reveals himself to you, and that revelation activates in your heart, and you get to know who he is. So again, a lot of that has to do with the soil of your heart. Well, you can't just have soil without anything. God prepares the soil of our heart for one reason, to receive the seed. So today we talk about the seed. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Starting at verse 8, if you have our app, get on the app, you get all my notes. If you have the U version of the Bible, look for live events, look for Trinity, you get our notes. If you're on Facebook, check in, do the things you need to do. It's a great, great scripture. Galatians 6, 8, it says this. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. Let me say that again. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you'll reap the beautiful fruits that grow from within, that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. So why are seeds so important and impactful in our lives? Well, let's talk about it this morning. I don't know if you know this or not. You are a product of your seeds. Everything that's inside of you has been planted by someone else. Who you are has been planted by someone else. You're a product of your parents. Don't you love it when, you know, somebody comes up and they say, oh, you look just like your father. You just, Rob, Tori loves that. Let me tell you, you look just like your dad. Thank you. <laughs> we're a product of our seeds. All of you can tell me two or three people that were impactful in your lives. Seeds, a coach, a teacher, a Sunday school person, a friend, a product of your seeds. Some of you, the things that you say were told to you and you tell them to others. What are those? Seeds. You're a product of your seeds. The things that you hear me say, I wish I could tell you I was so smart enough to make up all this stuff. I didn't. They were poured into me. Healthy things grow. was told to me by my father. I've told it to you. Seeds. It's all about seeds. Have you ever wondered how a seed works? We have them everywhere. You eat them almost every day. Have you ever wondered the process of how a seed works? I'm glad you asked about that. Let me tell you how it works. When a dry seed comes into contact with the moist soil or growing media, the seed begins to take up water through the seed coat. As it takes up more water, the seed expands and the seed coat cracks open. The embryo, every seed is an embryo, the embryo inside the seed is made up of a small shoot and a small root. The root is the first thing to emerge from the seed. As it grows, it anchors the plant to the ground and begins absorbing water through the root. After the root absorbs the water, the shoot begins to emerge from the seed. Eventually, the plant breaks the surface of the soil, begins to grow, and eventually produces fruit of its own kind. That's how a seed works. Now, last week, we talked about the garden of our hearts, how we need to, to, to cultivate our hearts so that we can receive the seeds that God has for us. But here's the reality of seeds. All of us are constantly being bombarded with seeds. Everything you listen to, Everything you see, everything you experience, every conversation you have with somebody, every person with you meet brings with them seeds. And those seeds look for fertile soil in your heart to take root, to start to get nourishment, 
and to grow. The more you expose yourself to things, the more seeds you take in. And the better the chance that those seeds, one of those seeds, is going to hit the soil of your heart. Break open, start to grow, take root, and start to produce fruit for good or for bad. The more you expose yourself. This is why you have to be careful the seeds that you take in. Now, that doesn't mean you go through life with your hands over your, you know, your ears going, la, 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 I don't hear anything. That doesn't mean you bump through life with your eyes shut. I'm afraid I'm going to get a seed in my eye. What it does mean is this. You have to be conscious of what you're doing with yourself. You have to be constantly taking your heart before God and allowing him to till and the weed the soil of your heart to be mindful of the seeds that may be in there. Hosea 10, 11, or 10, 12 says this. It says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you'll harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. When we come to God every day, we spend time with him every day, we give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to till the soil of our heart, to deal with the seeds that may have fallen onto the soil of our heart. When you take in good seeds, those things take root in your life and you produce good things. But here's the greater reality about seeds. We spend our entire life of receiving and planting seeds in, other, in others of, of our entire life. Again, you're a product of your seeds. You take in these seeds and they start to activate. With that activation comes purpose. Every seed is designed to do something. How many of you have gardens? Have you ever learned this weird thing about a garden? If you plant a tomato seed, you don't get a cucumber. If you do... I have some magic beans I would like to sell you for $22 a seed. If you plant a zucchini, you don't reap a pear. If you plant a squash, you don't reap cauliflower. Seeds are created to produce after their own kind. So what you plant, again, is what you'll reap. Look at the passage again. The passage puts it this way. If you plant the corrupt seeds of the self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. Does that make sense? If you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you'll reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Isn't it funny? We understand this in the natural world that if you plant certain seeds, you'll produce things. But in the spiritual world, we seem to miss this. We think we can do whatever we want, live any way we want, watch anything we want, and produce good things. Beloved, I love you enough to tell you that you can't. What you take in is what you plant in your heart. And what you plant in your heart, you will produce. Seeds are designed to produce things. So not only do you, are you a product of your seeds, but seeds have a purpose. There's a purpose to your seeds. And that purpose is very simple. Every seed you take in does one of two things. It either brings life or it brings death. It either feeds the self or it either feeds the spirit. Those are the only two things. Seeds of the spirit, seeds of the self. Now when you look at the passage, who is responsible for planting the seeds? Everybody take your finger, point it at me, point it right back at your nose. You. You are the gatekeeper of your heart. You're the gatekeeper of the seed. Do you know how you regulate how the seeds get in your heart 
It all comes down to what you allow to grow inside of you, what you do and what you allow. You're the gatekeeper of your heart. So do me a favor. Shut your eyes for a second. I want you to, to think about this. Let's pause. Think of your week. What seeds have you allowed to be planted in your heart this week? Think of your conversations. Think of the shows that you've binged. Think of the things that you've seen on the internet. Think of all the places you've been and all the things that you've taken in. Based on this week, what seeds, gatekeeper, have you allowed to hit the ground of your heart? Now open your eyes. For some of you, you're like, it was a pretty good week. For others of you, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have a chance. It's all about seeds. Everything we do has the potential to plant seeds in us. Are you ready for this? Everything you do has the potential to plant a seed in you and also to plant a seed in somebody else. Just like you and I take seeds in, you and I are also master sowers. How you interact with people, plant seeds in them as well. Every seed has a purpose. Every seed has a purpose to do something in us and through us. We always take in seeds. Some of you are taking in seeds. You've taken in seeds when you were a little kid. And those seeds that were planted in you as a little kid are still bearing fruit in your life that isn't good. Something that somebody said, something that somebody did. All seeds. I was asked this morning, I was out in the coffee area, and, and somebody asked me, I said, Pastor, how did, you, how did you get into this ministry thing? What happened to you? I said, my story was, was very interesting. I got, a, I got a heart for the camp, you know, the Pendel campground. I was there before they called it the Bongiorno campground because Brother Bongiorno was leading our movement at the time. And I remember I was in 11th grade going in to be a senior, and I was sitting there, I was around the altars. I remember Danny Duvall was preaching. And he was preaching, and God was messing with my heart. I was getting ready to go into my senior year. I was going to go play football in Maryland. It was going to be great. My mom wanted me to be a vet. I had my life planned for me. It was going to be beautiful. And as I sat there, the Holy Spirit spoke strongly to me. He said, TJ. He said, look up. And I looked up, and Danny Duvall was standing in front of me. He says, you are called to do that someday. And I did what most of you do. I went, no way, Jose. And at that moment, somebody tapped me on the shoulder that I had no idea who they were, and they said, listen, God just called me to come tell you that you're supposed to do what that guy Danny Duvall is doing someday. See, and he left. I went, I think God might be serious. And it changed the course of my life. So I did what I knew what to do. I went to one of my leaders at that camp at that time. And I said, man, I had this encounter, and I don't know what to do with it. It's just crazy. And then when I told the guy this, you know what he did? He looked at me, and he laughed. And he told me this. This is the guy, my leader was there. He said this. He says, TJ, you do not have what it takes to do what we do. Give it up. It's a dream. And I left. And I went, oh, well, maybe, I, maybe it was pizza. Maybe it wasn't God. But something stayed inside my heart. I'll be honest with you. It crushed me in that moment. And in that moment, you know what happened? A seed was planted in my heart. It was by somebody I loved and I respected. And the seed that was planted said this. Again, the purpose of the seed was this. TJ, you are not good enough to do this. Now, interestingly enough, I had other seeds in my life that were planted that said the same thing. Do you know that sometimes the enemy likes to sow the same type of seed in you? To reinforce the lie? Have you ever had that, that happen in your life? So through God's providence and grace... 
I took that and I still felt like I needed to go to school to learn how to do this. I didn't realize being that young in my faith that I was the gatekeeper of my heart and I didn't realize that I could affect and, and kind of, you know, keep those seeds from growing to produce bad things in me. So it just sat there and it started to grow. So fast forward, I went to school and there were times that I struggled, not with the course load, not with the classes, not with that stuff. Every once in a while, I would struggle with the thought of not being enough inadequacy. And every time I would struggle, I would remember those words, those seeds that were planted in my heart. TJ, you're just not enough. Why? Because seeds all have a purpose. They do, for good or for bad. So eventually, I finished my schooling. I become a pastor. I'm terrified because the seed's still producing fruit in me. I'm doing my thing. And lo and behold, years later, I run into this same pastor at a conference. At this time, I'm holding my son, my first son, Tyler, who at this point is probably, he's not even a year old. I can't imagine trying to hold him now. I would, dare I say, die. And I'm holding him, and I run into this, this, this guy, and he saw me, and he just shook his head. And he said this. He says, I don't believe it. He said, I guess the standard for pastors has dropped to an all-time low. True, true story. And I smiled. What do you do? I'm like, what do you do? I smiled. Every seed has a purpose. It does. So I looked at him and I smiled and I make some jokes because that's what I do. I'm funny. I deflect it with stuff like that. And as I'm holding my son, I remember just patting his rear end, little Tyler. I don't do that anymore. I said, hey, I said, you know what? I said, maybe I'm not good enough to work for you. I said, but maybe someday my son, Tyler, you know, maybe he can work for you. And he looked at me and he said, he said, TJ, it'll be a cold day in heck. But he didn't say heck. He didn't. He said, before I let a Harris work for me. He said that. It was crazy. Seeds. Every seed has a purpose. I just turned around. I laughed. Ha, ha. And I walked away. What do you do with all that stuff? Can I let you guys in on a little reality? And I hope you understand my heart with this. Sometimes pastors are jerks. Now, not me. Other guys. Sometimes pastors are jerks. Sometimes we speak things that we don't mean. Sometimes pastors have bad days. Do you know why sometimes pastors are jerks? It's the same reason why sometimes you're a jerk. We're human. We got good days, we got bad days. All of us have unique personalities. Nobody is perfect. So you just walk it out, you figure it out. I remember distinctly as I held my child in my arms, I was growing in my faith, the understanding of what God wanted to do with me. I remember that moment, for whatever reason, the Spirit spoke to me, and I realized I had a choice. I had a choice in that moment to take in the seed, to give it a chance to grow or to trust the word of the Spirit in my life. What God called me to do, he, who he called me to be. And in that moment, I still remember this. I said, God, I choose to move forward with you. If I'm not enough, that's fine. You and me are more than enough. We'll figure it out. By the way, beloved, you don't have to be everything. God didn't call you to be everything. He called you to be yielded. He called you to be open. He called you to be empowered by the Spirit not by all your talents and your gifts. You are not enough. So if God's calling you to do something and you don't feel qualified, great, you're in good company. I'm right with you. So do me a favor. Sign up for the egg hunt. <laughs> Go work with the kids. 
Be part of the youth. Do you know how many youth were here on, on, every time I hear the word youth, I think of Joe Pest, you know, the youths in question. Do you know how many youths were here on, on, on Friday night? They had 80 kids here. We need your help. Get involved. We need some scary adults that people aren't sure that they're saved. You know what I mean? Where the kids are like, I don't know if I'm going to cross that line because, you know, Miss Sue may take me out. So I decided in that moment I wasn't going to take in the seat. I chose to move forward with God. Fast forward 15 years later. I reconnected with my pastor friend. You know, the guy that had all the good things to say about me. The ultimate seed sower, that guy. By this time, my friend found himself in a bad place. He had a rough road in ministry. He had been thrown away by the church. Um, and because of his delightful you know, uh, personality and his way, his list of friends was very thin. So we started to chat. And he asked me this question. He said, because, man, he goes, uh, I got to ask him, because why do you still talk to me? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I was kind of like a jerk to you. And I'm like, kind of? Kind is a weak word. He says, why do you still talk to me, even after all the things that I said about you? And I told him, I said, I said, can I tell you the truth in love? By the way, we always speak the truth in love. That's how we speak it. I said, you can be a jerk sometimes. It felt good to say that. Oh, did it feel good to say that? I was like, freedom. It feels good to say that. I said, but I still value who you are. Growing up, you were an inspiration to me. I saw stuff that you did. I knew that it wasn't easy. And I learned from the good parts of you. I told him, I said, I'm grateful for the, for the example that you were to me. And you know what he did? He looked at me and he started to cry. Broken man. Seeds. Every seed has a purpose. Every seed has a purpose. God helped me in that moment to weed out the seeds that were trying to derail my purpose. And because I allowed God to do the work in my heart, and because of a little book called A Tale of Three Kings, that God, you know, is a tool, because of those things, God gave me an opportunity to eventually not just receive bad seed, but plant good seed back into his life. Let me tell you something. My kids have heard this a hundred billion times. They hate it. How people treat you has no bearing on how you treat them. But he yelled at me, I don't care. He treated me bad. I don't care. We show people the way to Christ by how we react, regardless of what they do to you. We show them the right way. As believers, we are expected to show them the right way. They knock you down, what did Jesus say? They slap that right cheek, what do you do? You give them the other cheek. They say, you got to come with me, Amal. Guess what? We're going too, baby. You know what that's called? Extravagant love. That's just what we do. How people treat you is no bearing on how you treat them. Why? Because those are the best opportunities to plant the seed. We plant the seed. And you know the great thing about that? When you do that to people that are just mean, nasty, just terrible, it messes with them. Why did they do that? Why are they, it keeps them up at night. <laughs> it does. You know what it does? It plants seeds. I talked with somebody. I had coffee with a guy who, um, he came to Christmas Eve. He said, hey, can we get coffee? Doesn't come to our church. I said, sure. So we had coffee. He goes, he goes you, you, I got to tell you about something. I go, what? He said, uh, you're sneaky. I'm looking at myself. There ain't nothing here that reminds me of being sneaky. 
he said, you talked about, about beholding Jesus on Christmas Eve. And you asked me this stupid question. It's kind of cool because I was just talking to him. He said, when you see Jesus, who do you see? Behold. He goes, I couldn't get that out of my head all night. Christmas Day, I'm thinking, who do I see who this Jesus is? All week, all I can think about is, what do I see when I see Jesus? He goes, that's your fault. Seed. It's a seed. I went, oh, no, really? You, it kept you up at night? Oh, no. Still so bad. It's seed. We choose as believers to plant good seed. This is what 3 Thessalonians 5 says. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to, everybody say all, all people. You know who all people is? That, that Greek word all is panta. You know what it means? All. All. You know what that means? Uh, that's Republicans. That's Democrats. All. Those people you don't like. For old people like me, those are guys that sing rap music. And for people that listen to country, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Let's pray. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Those that are different than you, that's all. We try to do good to all. As believers, it's not optional. It's, 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 it's what God's called us to do. So again, when you talk about seeds, they fall into two categories. The seeds of the self and then the seeds of the spirit. Those seeds produce fruit. Look at the passage again. I want you to get this in your heart. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you, everybody say you, you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of the self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you'll reap, a beautiful, uh, you'll reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Our core verse. We all plant seeds. We all allow seeds to be planted in us that grow into something good or to bad. Now let's take a hard look real quick at what those seeds produce in us. Now before we continue, I'm just going to tell you right now, this next little part is going to make you uncomfortable. Do you know that it's not Jesus' job to keep you comfortable? It's not my job to keep you comfortable. It's my job to help you to keep in alignment with your purpose, which most of the time makes you uncomfortable. I have, um, you know, decided... You know, now that the, the COVID is kind of behind us and the holidays are behind us, I went to put on my pants one day and this crazy thing happened. Somebody broke into my house <laughs> and exchanged all of my pants with pants that looked just like my pants, except they were a size smaller. And I struggled. So I realized I needed to get back to the gym, back to the pool, back to all the other things. So I did. Let me tell you this. I go to the gym three days a week and I hate it. Again, I hate to bring Anne Marie and throw her under the bus. She runs and does, gets this runner's high. I don't understand that. I get a high when I eat pizza. You know, getting high now. I get, that's when I get my pizza. Ice cream, get a high with that too. I hate it, but I do it because it's, it's beneficial and it helps me. We're going to talk about things that are beneficial to your Christian life, that you need, that I need. It'll help you. And I'm going to tell you this, that the things we're going to talk about, all of us wrestle with these things. So as we go through the list of these things in Scripture, something is going to ping your heart. And you're going to go, oh. Now, when you hear that, when that thing pings your heart, that's the time that the seed starts to get planted or something happens in your heart. And the enemy loves to come in in those moments 
to condemn you. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. He convicts. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, you are in Christ Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit pings your heart with things, he does it to convict you so that you can experience freedom. Everybody say freedom. But know this. You're going to wrestle with these things, one or all of these things, until Christ calls you home. But don't forget, God's here to help you in your weakness. This is what Hebrews 4.16 says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Thou will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it the most. When you need grace the most, that means you're not on the top of your game, beloved. That's where we're at today. So as we talk about these seeds that, are, that we're producing, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes, not yet, as we go through the list. And as you shut your eyes, I'm going to ask you to picture in front of you Jesus. I want you to look into his eyes. They're not eyes of condemnation. They're eyes of love. He is for you, not against you. And he's here with grace to help you to grow. To help you to grow good seed and good fruit and to deal with the weeds in your life. So do me a favor. Um, as I read this scripture and something pings your heart, your eyes will be shut. I'll pause. If something that you deal with, take a minute and ask God to forgive you. Say, Lord, will you, will you forgive me for this? Will you dig this weed out of my heart so that I can be everything that you want me to be? Does everybody understand? Okay, shut your eyes. This is Galatians 19, 519. It says, the behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality. Allow the Spirit to ping you, and if you need to say, God, forgive me, pray that to Him right now. Lustful thoughts. Pornography. Chasing after things instead of God. Allow the Spirit to just guide you through this whole process. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Allow the Spirit to guide you. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with only your opinion. Lord, forgive us all. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties. And all other similar behaviors. 
Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of the realm of God? Open your eyes. Everyone in this room had one of these things on that list ping your heart. You know what that makes you? Human. But thank God, you're not a human that's alone. The Spirit walks with us. And even though we are new creations in Christ, we are still in the transformation process. We have this big word, this big theological word called sanctification. You will be sanctified. You will be like Christ the day you take your last breath here and the day you take your first breath in heaven. In the meantime, God gives us this beautiful gift called confession. It's a way for us to weed the garden of our hearts. 1 John 1.9 puts it this way. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we deal with the sin. Now, sometimes as believers, this is where we kind of get mucked up. We spend so much time trying to get rid of the old, we forget to plant the new. How many of you know that a garden with all the weeds out of it still doesn't produce anything? you got to put good seed in the garden to take the place of the weeds. In fact, if your garden is filled with good things, you ready for this? There's no place for the weeds to grow. So we allow the Spirit to plant good things. We focus on the good plants. So what does that look like, planting the good seed? I'm glad you asked. It's a great question. I knew you were smart. We're going to do something with this as well. First thing we're going to do is we're going to put ourselves in a position, a posture to receive. When you get a gift, what do you do? Somebody gives you a gift, what do you do? Take the gift. Show me. How do you do that? You know? Unless it's a Ravens jersey, and then you slap it out of their hands, you don't touch it. <laughs> get that away from me, right? You receive the gift. I want you to shut your eyes and just have your hands open to receive. I'm going to read the, the next part of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And as we, we hit each one of these, pray that God would plant those seeds in your life and those things would be fruitful. Are you ready to receive? Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Holy Spirit, would you plant divine love in our hearts? Help us to love you and love people. Joy that overflows. Holy Spirit, would you fill us with joy? Joy in all things, in all situations, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Peace that subdues. Holy Spirit, would you plant in us peace that we don't understand? Peace that only comes from you. Peace that is not rooted in our environment, that is, but is rooted in our connection with you. Patience that endures. Father, help us to be steadfast patient. Kindness in action. Let our hearts be kind. Let us do the right thing, not to be seen, but just because we love. A life full of virtue. Father, let our, our lives produce character, your character. Let us be dependable, not just in the things that we say, but how we live our lives. 
faith that prevails. Let us be men and women of faith, Lord God. Father, let us be vessels that you can use when it comes to faith. We want to be people that you trust. Gentleness of heart. Father, I pray that even as we face a harsh world, that we would not become hard, but we would stay gentle. Strength of the Spirit. Father, give us strength to be who you say that we are. I pray that, Father, we wouldn't drift. We wouldn't be thrown about in the waves and in the wind, but we would be anchored to you. Never set the law above these qualities, for they're meant to be limitless. Open your eyes. Allow the Spirit to produce good things in you. Have so much of the Spirit fruit in your life that the enemy has nowhere to place his plant, nowhere to plant those seeds, those, those seeds of self, those seeds of doubt. We're going to kind of end a little different today. Some of you are here and you've wrestled with them, um, with things for a long time. Like a shadow. Sometimes your past pursues you. Some of you have struggled with things for a while. It's time to allow the Spirit to dig out the old, to allow God to plant the new. It's time. It's time to let it go. It's time to allow God to define you, not your past and your failures. So we have two things that are happening right now. To the right of me, to your left, there's a cross. There's nails there that I think I left on the back there. Hopefully they're in the front. There's something that you've been dealing with and you're just tired of it. You want God and you need his help. Write it down on a piece of paper, nail it to the cross and leave it there. Go home and leave it there. We also have in the back sin eaters. You know what they really are? They're paper shredders. You can't go buy a sin eater on Amazon. Just can't buy it. For something you've been wrestling with, something you've been dealing with, write it down. Pray, say, Lord, give me victory over this. Take this from me. Put it in the shredder and let it go. And then, symbolically, as we start the new thing, on those two tables in the back, we have seeds, little hearts, paper hearts that are infused with seeds. You know what that seed is? That represents the spirit life that God is wanting to plant in you. Beloved, leave the self, pick up the spirit life, and be fruitful. By the way, next week we talk about fruit. Bow your heads. Father, I pray that in this moment you would help us to um, lay our hearts bare before you. Do what you need to do in us so that we can be the people you created us to be. So just for a moment, allow the Spirit to soften your hearts. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.